summertime has set in, Johnny. And the living is easy. Let's talk about that the podcast in case you're wondering, what is this I'm listening to? <laughs> As opposed to my what, talk about that, the cereal? <laughs> do we have other products? Uh, we should. A lot we, of people do. Yeah, There's a, we could do t-shirts and could stuff. We could do a vast array. Think people would buy a talk about that t-shirt? I get these messages from people wanting trying to sell me product they'll make for it all the time, oh, right. this company. I think I want our logo to be uh, corrected for my current face size. You know? We could correct it. Well, I don't know if we should do it, because I feel bad, because the artist who drew it drew it from a photo, and that's what my face looked like. But now, I've, you know, I've lost some weight. I do believe that artist still listens. So if he's if listening, we love there, it. Send me an email. If you'd be interested. We could send him an email and he'd be like, hey, here's, want, a, here's another photo. I want to see if he's still listening. Oh, since you're <laughs> playing that game. That's if, a good way to get your feelings hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when you go fishing for compliments, John, you pull back a boot. <laughs> like, you don't get the fish that you were hoping for. It's an old tire. <laughs> uh, speaking of type of, uh, sorry, cereal, the other day I was, how do you spell typo? T-Y-P-O? Is one word. Yeah. I did type dash O. Like O-H? No, type like dash type O. o. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody in the staff there was like, uh, you're, I think it was Dane. Uh, he was like, you know, you're an author and you don't have to spell typos. It sounds like a cereal. It's like, yeah, I, I eat typos every morning. Mm. They're great. And I spelled there like T-H-E-I-R <laughs> apostrophe bad. Y-E and then like great. They're great. So, that'd be an actual like funny product. Like that'd be one of those asides on The Simpsons. Yeah. Where they're eating a cereal, and uh-huh. it would just be on. The, they wouldn't reference it. It would just be a box on the table, and it would be typos. And it would have like a bowl of misspelled words, yep. like alphabets, but floating around misspelled words. See, that's the kind of comedy I'm good for, Johnny. Yeah, just a really stupid nothing in the Some, background. Sometimes I'll write a joke, and you'll be like, "This is too funny. I know it's been thought of by other people." <laughs> and then you'll. I sometimes I'll type it into Twitter. That's even better than Google nowadays. If you want to type a joke and post it, just enter it into Twitter in the search. And then you can see if it's been written by 300, and it had. It was, uh, Grammar Nazis have typo blood. Oh, wow. And I, it was one of those things where you think it and you go, am I thinking this because I've heard it before? And I don't think it was that. I just think that it's a very, somebody, is gonna, somebody else is going to come up with that. Yeah. And sure enough, they had. It was like 20 people. And who knows who the original person was. Maybe they were stealing from the original person. But it could be that like 20 people is all it, had that was thought. Was parallel inspiration? Is that what they call it? Parallel that? thought. or yeah. There is a thing too called, this is really getting nerdy, but there's a thing that uh, I saw a video on called cryptomnesia. Okay. And it is where you have an original thought in your mind, but it literally came from something you heard maybe a year ago. It entered into your mind. You, you, you kind of salt it away and then you forget that it came from another, let's say it's a comedian. You heard a joke from Chris Rock from five years ago on a special. And then you forget that it was Chris Rock. And then one day you wake up and you have an experience. Let's say it was my Chick-fil-A chicken egg biscuit. Yeah. Say I'm at Chick-fil-A and I'm having a chicken egg biscuit. And I'm like, this should be whatever. And I do a whole thing about, you know, I'll eat you and your family, the whole thing. But let's say that somebody else had written that joke and I'd heard it five years ago. But then I have this experience that makes me think I thought of it. Mm-hmm. And so I write it in my own voice, but it literally is someone else's. Sometimes you can write it word for word and you think, no, this is my joke. But it can't be because if you start looking at what you've watched, you go, and they go, well, Chris Rock did that five years ago. And you go, I don't know. I don't know that. Did you, did you watch that special? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and you realize, <laughs> right. oh, no. Yeah. I've stolen from Chris Rock without. The only time it's ever happened to me, this is a weird one. I was doing a joke for a long time um, when I first started. We were on a, a missions trip with uh, to Bolivia with David Crawford. Yeah. So David Crawford's kind of a heavier guy, but he's lost a bunch of weight and gained a lot of weight, just like in my life. He's the same same pattern. So he did the. He used to, used to say this thing about how uh, he lost a hundred pounds, and people would be like, "I can really tell in your face." He was like, "I lost a hundred pounds. How fat was my face?" You know. <laughs> And I thought it was so funny. And I think I may even asked him when I started doing comedy, hey, do you care if I say that? Oh, it's fine. Well, then I started doing it. And that Tim Hawkins, like, I did that joke in a 15 minutes that I did before his one of his specials. And they recorded it and they put it out on his channel. 
So this huge, like, it was a huge marketing push for me because they were going to start representing me. So this joke comes out. It's one of many jokes that I told uh, on that, you know, five-minute clip. But that one, there's like five comments that said, you stole this from John Panette. And I don't even know John Panette. Like, I only know of John Panette from the You've Been Here Four Hours. He's the buffet guy. Yeah, yeah. You've been here four hours. Right. Uh, you go now. He's that guy. And that's all I know of his. Really, it is. I, I do not, I'm not a John Panette fanboy. I do not know that. But... What I can surmise happened was is that David, David Crawford from John Panette. David Crawford saw John Panette. He incorporated <laughs> that into his life because he's like, I relate to this as a yep. fat guy. You try to lose weight, and then all people can ever say is, you really lost weight in your face. So he told me that, and I thought, well, this is a funny thing that just my, my non-comedian <clears throat> friend said. Yeah. It's okay to, like, borrow this. Wow. And what I was doing was stealing from another comedian without meaning to. It was like, it's very deep. It's like it, comedy inception. And I had to own it. And so, you know, when it happened, I was like, oh, I was really def- defensive at first. But then I was like, you know what? I don't need it. And it's fine. And I just stopped telling that joke because I was like, once you know somebody else is doing it and has been doing it for years, you're like, what's the point? So all that said, cryptomnesia can happen, too. That's another thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I- sure it happened. This thing with pa- what about pastors stealing. Like, oh. It's a whole thing of like. Well, it's the gospel. There's only nothing new under the sun, brother. Mm. And you're totally like preaching something you saw. Is I, you, what do you feel about that? I think good preaching is plagiarism to some extent. Well, it's all coming from the same yeah, text in essence. Well, or a book. I usually try to say I've been reading a book. Yeah. I might even name the book. If you're giving not, a little bibliography. If it's not a true um, original thought, yeah. which again, I don't know if those exist. Like you said, I can't. When I really begin to trace original well, thoughts, it only it's hard exists. To know. It only exists in that, like, if you share a story, hey, Sadie was at volleyball practice and this happened, and it reminds me of this. That then you're dialing it down to your personal experience, right? But it still would be someone else might have had that same, you know, not the same reference point, but they might come up with the same conclusion from another similar right happenstance. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. It's a like I had asked so. Funny enough, Tim Hawkins, I'd asked him this week. He had said something on a call that I thought was cool. I could use my sermon today. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, so the joke part of it really didn't go over at all. But like the it was such a the deep part of it. The deep part was like, oh, they they did. They laughed at the deep. They laughed because they knew it was from Tim, too. That's I I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, and then they said that and and it got like a laugh. And I was like, this is interesting because this is the profound part. Yeah. But they knew it was from Tim, who's a comedian. I didn't know if I should use his name. I wasn't using his name to name drop. I was trying <laughs> to give credit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have that right. weird line, too. When I give, I guess you can give credit to people who aren't big names, yeah. but not to people who are, or you look like you're name dropping. Right. I don't know. Like, it was just like, hey, I just thought this was really cool. I was talking to my friend Kid Rock the other day, and uh, <laughs> Kid Rock came to a show that I was on at Zany's. He was just in the green room. Wow. He hangs out there a lot now. He's got his honky-tonk in Nashville, you know? Yeah. So he's just kind of been around. So he comes to the shows, and then he was back there, and he was, like, really nice to everybody. He was like, if you guys want to come, just uh, give my name at the door or whatever. And I was just like, <laughs> we're all going to leave there and go. He's going to go get it. We oh, just go. Sure, you know Kid Rock. Get no, out of I here. think he said say Theo because he was there to see Theo Vaughn, who's a, a bigger uh-huh. name, who's moved here, and he was like, just say Theo's name at the door. And I was like, okay. And then I thought, and then it was funny because me and a few other comedians who are kind of straight edge. There's a lot of comedians who are not Christian, but they just don't drink or smoke or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, it's just not like I'd love to go, but I would just be like, can I get some chicken wings? Or like, what do you? Soda. Like we're so we'd be so out of place. Uh, and so he just felt weird about just showing up there and being like. Theo at the door, so we didn't do it. But but I would go. Whatever, I don't care. Since I've heard in, it's a scene there at the Kid Rock's honky tonk. I don't do the bar scene a lot. I don't know if well, I don't know. know that's that's shots. the thing too. Is I'm not a yeah. So what am I going to do? I just go there and be like, well, know, I don't dance. Do you guys have curly fries? Like I would I? be that guy. Yeah. yeah, I'd be that guy. Isn't that that you don't become your parent commercial where he's at a club or whatever? And he's yeah. like ordering nachos. Yeah, or so, you know. No, I I don't. I this wish. rave has the best nachos. I don't know, I've told you, like, one of my great regrets. Is not drinking as much? Is. <laughs> you wish you had drank more? Is in high school, I was in the, the vocal corral, they called it. Oh, well. I was in the golden corral. It's different. You got to pay up front and then three refills, which is cool. That's good, yeah. And they, we had at Davidson Academy, we had a show choir. Yeah. And the show choir was like, I don't know, 10 people usually upperclassmen, 
and they there's were, some sequins involved. They oh yeah, they had. It was like they would go do full shows, but they traveled. Like they do yeah. cruises, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> but it was singing and dancing, so it was oh. very like you're doing a you're doing a production of something. But yeah. it's like the the upper echelon of the people in the school who want to do vocals or want to do you know theater, and they'd kind of have this whole alternate. Yes, it's cheesy. They they do yeah. they you know. I knew all the people on the show choir, and I they asked me if I wanted to be on the show choir, mm-hmm. and. To this day, regret. It's one of the only. I have a lot of regrets for like sin and other things like that. But like one of the only like decisions I made. Cause right, I, you did out of insecurity. You were like, I don't want to be a show choir kid. Well, I didn't want to dance. Yeah, because I don't know how to dance. Yeah, and I would have been taught how to dance. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like if I could have. Yeah, we're kind of. You thought it was maybe a feminine thing, or like you're going to be. I don't know. I mean, the other dudes are all dancing. With, I mean, you're dancing with girls. Yeah. So like, I missed an opportunity to dance to learn how to do that. And my wife loves dancing. Yeah. So much. I mean, she was on the dance team in college, and she was a cheerleader in high school and all these things. And I'm, you know, I don't think she has any regrets marrying me or anything. But it's always That's like the a thing. One. It's always like a thing. Like, I wish I. If she could trade you for a dancing man. Now, we'll slow dance and stuff like that. But, like, I don't. I mean, I should have. I should have learned. Dude, who knows? And maybe they would have said, hey, when I tried this out or whatever. Like, listen, no. And then it would have been, like, double. There's not enough lessons in the world. <laughs> But like you know, we don't have enough one-on-one time to turn you into a dancer. <laughs> they would have given me that. Listen, you're going to be uh, the stationary part of this. Play. Have you thought about auto mechanics <laughs> or an exciting career in electronics? Because we see that in your future. No, you know, since we're dropping names, um, I went to Atlanta. I guess it was 2018, and uh, I was at the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Because I wrote with Tyler Trent, which, you know, we've had Tyler's parents on the show before. And uh, he was the, he was a freshman at Purdue when he predicted that Purdue would upset Ohio State. Yeah. And he had osteosarcoma and, um, you know, was just an inspiration to, I mean, to multiple thousands. It was a huge story. Yeah, huge Became story. Became like the, the honorary, like, team mascot and this whole, like, he was just this huge deal. It led Sports Center for many, many weeks while oh, that yeah. was happening. Yeah. Well, that's why I got the call is it went viral and his parents are believers. And then they had connected with my agent and he was like, listen, this young man is terminal and he wants to um, write a book. I mean, he'd, he'd written other things. He was a sports writer yeah. in the newspaper. So uh, Indianapolis Star and stuff. And then the, mainly the college paper. And so they were like, could you do it? So Andrew and I were up there the next weekend, like mm-hmm. at his bed you know, getting all the information we could. And I started the process there and uh, wrote it, you know, got all of the interviews and everything. And, and he took a downward turn right around Christmas. He died, uh, I think it may have been on my birthday. It was or the day after because they were at the Music City Bowl. Oddly enough, I'd gone to see him. Right. Um, I remember that. And so, but when we were in Atlanta, it was kind of like one of their last ditch things. He was getting um, an Espy. Well, it wasn't an SB. It was the um, excuse me, I can't remember, humanitarian yeah. award. It, there was, that's not the word for it. It was some sort of inspirational award. It's a big deal. One of the biggest awards in the night. Of course, you know Saban's there. They were uh, I forget who the Heisman winner was that year, but they're all there. It wasn't the Heisman, but it's all the other awards in college football, but the Heisman basically yeah. are given out that night. The Doak Walker and the yeah. Everything. So it's everybody. I mean, all the SEC coaches are there, you know, so I'm like, of course, Tyler, they're coming up to him and he Mm -hmm. had the big presentation and they're, you know, talking to him. He's doing media, you know, interviews afterwards and everything. And I was exhausted. I'd actually had flown. Did I fly? Yeah. I've flown down there, got to the hotel and went straight to work. Like I hung out with the family all day, you know, it was just trying to be present and, you know, um, gather information and everything but for books because a lot of the stuff went to the book from that trip and i had like an emergency pastoral call happen yeah when i got off the plane like i was standing in the hotel on a pastoral call i mean i was just exhausted so that night like i just really it was it was a long day i just it was a great day amazing day i just wanted to go to sleep and so one of my other regrets is they were like hey we've been invited over to the tnt studios in atlanta oh. for the What's the NBA show that inside the NBA? Yeah, Barkley. Oh yeah, Shaq Kenny Smith. And Kenny Smith and who's the main Ernie Johnson? Yeah. And so I was just like, you know what? I'll just hang. Yeah, they've won ten Emmys, but it was, well, I mean, I don't know. It was, and I thought 
we'd all been on campus that whole time. They were going to get in a van. I didn't want to intrude like on the family yeah. thing, you know. That was like apparently the best time they had in the whole night. Like it was a one of those life changing when the guys just hung out with them right. on the set and everything. So I could have went and hung out with Barkley and Shaq, you know, uh, with Tyler Trent. And well, I, evidently Ernie, I don't know if you've seen stories about Ernie before, but they did like a uh, E sixty on him mm-hmm. that ESPN does. It's like these personal interest kind of stories they'll yeah. do. And he's got like a special needs son. Oh wow! And you watch that, and it's like you can't even hold it together. Oh, he's a special Ernie guy. Johnson is like legit. Yeah. And he is at his own cancer battle. Well, and he's an author too. And then the kept way. on doing like inside the NBA yeah. while he was losing his hair and was in treatments. Yeah. And his face was all swollen for like a year mm-hmm. uh, from like his glands. Like you could see like his glands like poking out. Like he went through it and he decided to do it on the air wow. and just live through it and like have people do whatever. But he was going to. And so I'm sure he had his own unique perspective and was like, he probably had a lot to say to Tyler too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I regret that. I, I should have gone and had that experience. You blew it, John. I did. Well, that's the nine part of me. I finally just get overwhelmed and want to go yeah. to bed. Huh. But, um, yeah. You're a real. I mean. I don't know what I am. I don't know. I mean, I, if somebody said, hey, we're going to go in there, I don't know about like meeting. If it's somebody that I have like respect for and I, you know, you get a chance, I don't get starstruck as much. But yeah, if it was, let's go to this TV set. Like I watch Pardon the Interruption almost every day. Yeah, uh, Tony, Tony Kornheiser, Mike Wilbon. Mm-hmm. I've been watching that show for ten years, ever since it's been on the air. And they win the other Emmy. So it's whatever year inside the NBA doesn't win, PTI will win. Yeah. It's a great show, and they have such great chemistry. And um, they came to one of Nate Bergatzi's shows. Evidently, he watches that show a lot too. And yeah. They came to one. Tony came to one of Nate's shows, and he got him backstage passes. And then the next day on PTI, Tony gave Nate a shout out, like at the end of the show. Wow. He's like Nate Bergatzi, shout out, very funny. And I was like, and Nate could not. I mean, it was one of those things where like, yeah. you can't write that. Yeah. That's nothing. We're like, I hope one day on a sports talk show that I watch, they just randomly mention my comedy. Like you wouldn't even think to ask for something like that. It's just such a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at speaking of of comedians. Let's ask you something. Just your opinion. I was watching Fallon the other night, yeah. and do you watch Fallon a lot? No, really. Well, I mean, I don't watch any of those shows now during the pandemic. They're so different. And well, he's and back now. Full. They're I mean, back with an audience. Yeah, it's, it's like the old show now. Okay. Yeah, he's not doing the. Yeah, I mean, late night talk shows got real strange, and they got real political for a while. Yeah. Where everything was well, was during the election. Everything was about hating Trump. And and now it's going to be about absolving Biden. You know, it's that he makes fun of Biden a lot. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, I think it's good to have balance. I think that's what Leno, for all of Leno's mundane and vanilla, that he got accused of, which he had a lot of, because he was a very edgy comic. Everybody wanted to be Leno. So when he got that job, all the comedians that were around, because I know a lot of those comics from the eighties and the boom, they worshipped Leno. So when he got his own show, they were like, "We're in." They thought it was going to be just like the Brotherhood, and then he immediately became like this vanilla corporate, whatever yeah. OJ jokes every night. Yeah, it's very expected, and all of the crowd, the crowd he was kind of courting was like fifty to sixty-five. You know, term life, a lot of term term life insurance commercials on this night <laughs> show during his reign. But to his credit, when you look back, his monologues were very even-handed as far as like he made fun of all sides. Yeah. And I think we're really missing that now. I feel like, I feel like foul. I mean, yes, obviously there was a, I think in the middle of so much turmoil, yeah, there was just more stories and more things to say. Uh, but he, yeah, he makes, what fun. were you going to say about Fallon? Well, what is my opinion comedically? You know, he'll stop yeah. mid and, and I'm sure that they cut a lot of this out, but they'll leave it in sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he'll, with Higgins, you know, his kind of, his, Oh yeah. Ban- man. Right. He will, start these weird banter or start a song he's writing as he's going and the roots will start playing along with it. Mm-hmm. And he'll just start these weird, you it you can tell he's in creative process. He's found a way to do creative process in front of people. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And I, I really had this thought, like, I think he may be a genius because most people can't do charming creative process kind of ahead of everyone in a real self-deprecating way because uh-huh. it's not even all that funny, but you're watching how his brain yeah. works. 
Like mm-hmm. it seems to me that there was an, there's another level of intelligence to be able to do that, not just yeah. Well, it's, he's doing it for mask. That's the hard part is you can do that experimental vibe, but when you know you have a show that's on NBC and it's a GE product and it's for mass consumption, then how do you unlock your brain to be like, it doesn't matter if this tanks, I'm still going to do it because I believe yep. in it as I, as I'm doing it. Well, and when it does tank, he'll say that. He'll be yeah. like, hey, that was another impression. Right. Like, that was the best part of the show. You know, like he'll have this. Yeah. It's just like this stream of consciousness a little bit, but it's with the other guys. He's playing off of them. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, that's not joke writing. Like that's that's something else that I'm watching there. Like there's yeah. an ability. It's, there's a lot of characters in it. There's a lot of. Well, I think if you know how to write jokes, then it's about the becoming fearless. Yeah. Like you can have the math of jokes down um, and then you can also have a lot of hangups or you can lean on the tried and true. Yeah. Well, this has worked. So I'll just keep doing this flavor forever. And which is what people did. Like I, to my point about how the talk shows just became, let's just like, I remember during the George Bush, uh, W Bush, there would just be daily show episodes where John Stewart would just play a Bush clip and then come back from that and just be staring at the camera like, did you see what I saw? It was no joke. It was just like, let's lampoon this ridiculous man. And it got so tiresome yeah. because there was no effort there. So I think we're so over that. So, yeah, but to your point, I just think there's a fearlessness that you have to have. Because if you know the math of jokes, it's not like it comes easy, but you just go, okay, but now it's like, how do I risk keep taking the next risk? Yeah, that's the thing. His risk taking comes off as charming and authentic. Yeah, and I think that's that's the part of him that's different to me. Mm-hmm. Is it's not, it's it's number one, never mean, even when the jokes mean. Something yeah. about him, like he's right. the guy that can make fun of you to your face. You're like, oh man, you're the best. Well, that's like, a vibe you know, too that you can't control. That's part of likability that I've always been fascinated by that because there's people who are everybody knows once you get into this job. Everybody knows somebody who is like super funny and their lack of being a huge star is just inexplicable to you. Yeah. And so I'm fascinated by that almost as much as people who become famous. I'm famous by I'm 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 fascinated by the person who has an hour that is amazing and they live in Denton, Texas and they just are a grinding club comic who can kill in every room and you will never know who they are. It's just like the same in Nashville when you see somebody playing guitar at O'Charlie's and he's the best thing you've ever seen and you're like, how is this guy not? Right. You know what I'm saying? That's how you felt when you heard me preach this morning. It is. I was like, man, why has this guy not been discovered? Why is this Why are there not preaching scouts out here (laughs) signing people to deals? Right before worship, Seth, as you spare our old joke, walked up and he goes, hey, I hear they're talent scouts out there. That's right. It's Nashville, bro. They're going to come and sweep you up. We used to call it worship scouts. You yeah, know. there's worship scouts in the audience. They're taking yeah. notes. Yeah, man. <laughs> they probably really are. Well, there not used to be not a thing, in our audience. Well, there used but... to be a thing when I worked at the movie theater. And I don't know if you ever worked like a fat. You never worked like a real job, did you? Like wow. a fast food job. I'm saying like you worked wow. for your. Da- I'm saying you worked for your family job, and then you got into the ministry. I worked twelve hour days, bro. Oh, you worked at the school. But here's what you well, didn't. Yeah, have. I was a here's teacher. What, yeah, here's what you didn't have at the school though that people that work in like fast food have. There's this thing where they have like secret people, like checkers. Yeah. Who come and they'll just go through your line. And sometimes they're just rude mm-hmm. to see, see how, you, resp- how yeah. you react to a bad customer service, you know, whatever. What your response is. Sometimes they'll just be like, what's your everyday interaction like? Are you saying hello, thank you, or whatever? Are you giving correct change? But are you also like being friendly? But sometimes they'll be a problem. They'll troll you to see if. So whenever I was at the movie theater working, you just didn't know. If you were dealing with one of those people, there was always that myth of like, is this a real thing or is this just something they told us to keep us in line? Wow. I think some people treat God that way. Like, I don't know if God's real, but I don't want to go to hell. So I'm just going to be right. like, what God's if, God's the checker. What if he's he is the, watching? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> there used to be a that said that. I think most people believe in God just in case, you know. And uh, But anyway, the checker was like a big thing. So I never knew that I ever encountered one. It's like angels. You may have encountered them unaware, John. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think church hoppers are kind of the checkers. Yeah, that, that maybe, yeah. And there's our, a lot. I mean, it's a, kind of, it's a whole cultural thing. I'm not trying to disparage But they're coming people. in with a chip on their shoulder for real. A lot of people who are, like, if you're a church, because I, I, I grew up in, like, a church hopping family. Yeah. And it wasn't like we were looking for problems, but I feel like we probably had some idealized. 
I think some church hoppers, they move from another place. Maybe they love their old church, and so you'll never live up to that old church. But sometimes yeah. people like, as long as you're not like that old dried-up church I came from, and then slowly they they find the fatal flaw with your church too. It may take time. Yeah, there's two sides to it. There's always the – again, if someone moves from out of town, it is a – you're so right. It's like this idyllic mm-hmm. sort of, oh, my gosh, we loved our church so much. And you're like, man. Especially if it's a kid. Like yeah. let's say you have kids or a youth group. Oh, man. Because like your life – I was thinking about this. I was listening to a podcast about this. Your life is at its most idealized when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. That is when food is the best. That is when shows on TV are the best. That is when you really stop uh, absorbing new music. Mm-hmm. So, like, in other words, you can like a song, and Sadie might not like it just because you like it. Like, that age is coming for her. Just because you think it's yeah. good. Have you heard this? And it could be a song from nineteen, you know, 98, and you're like, have you heard this? And she'd be like, what, what is this? Like, she's going to love what is happening with her right now. Like people said about Saturday Night Live, since Saturday Night Live has been out, right. it's been under attack. Oh, it's never as never been as good as when I was. Born. That was the best. Well, it's always the cast when you were in eighth grade. Yep. <laughs> That's the best Saturday Night Live ever was. Same thing with movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, kids talk about dumb movies today. I'm like, look, if you haven't seen Tommy Boy and Dumb and Dumber, then I don't right. think, like exactly. the fact that you don't know that right. is ridiculous. To but me. like that's to me, that's what happened with Star Wars. Star Wars was this phenomenon, but so many people were in like junior high and high school yeah when that that brain mapping half that template happens where you just get locked in on so it became like a religion so when people try to make more of it you're like you better not mess it up it's like all this pressure because it's locked in as the greatest thing that ever happened to you i think kids i'll meet kids now that were on the outskirts a little bit but went on a few trips with us or something and when they were in middle school or whatever Mm -hmm. and you do get that sense of that trip or that experience to them is hallowed. Like that's it, cool. That's, you know, that's it's cool when it's you that it happened to you. You're like, yeah, we are the best. <laughs> no, like you can, well, I think you know. I know. I, I spend my. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast was to tell all the things I know were not right about those experiences. Yeah, but but it, I mean, it's cool to lock in and be like, that was a great ski trip or whatever fun. that we took yeah. with our friends, and like I remember it, and like nothing would ever live up to that. Like that's that. There's good and bad to that. It's good to have great memories. But it's also like. It's it's weird when you when you idealize something, you're remembering falsely. Right. There's an undercurrent of that happening. Yeah, I mean, rose colored lenses are. I, I wonder how much they're necessary. Like to have, you think about people who have really tragic childhoods. Right. There is an innocence that's missing. Yeah, it's like a response to trauma. Or, you have to only see the the good or whatever. Maybe well, it's, a, it's an experience. Well, really, it's a space where innocence should exist that yeah. a lot of us have, whether or not it really did. There's a space where okay, I've I've put this in a compartment of yeah. of good, yeah, and and so when someone That's doesn't true. have that compartment, yeah, because if you really went back and relived it, you were terrified, right, embarrassed. People that talk about that, I wish I could go back with and just redo like my childhood. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I would never, even though there was a lot that I would change and a lot that I wish that I could fix, but like. It's funny when they say that, especially guys will say, like, if I could go back now with the confidence that I have now, I wouldn't be as shy. I would be so much better with girls, whatever it is. And you think, yeah, but you're you're not imagining yourself as a 14-year-old boy with, like, raging hormones and acne. Yeah. And, like, you you haven't put those factors. Those X factors are still going to be there. If it put you're you back in be- that body, you'd feel exactly the way you right. did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can't get away from that. But you're right about the way that trauma or at least, like, I wouldn't know if I'd call it trauma, but, like, it's the way men's conferences uh, that I've done before almost glorify this archetypal 1950s man yeah. who you're almost afraid of. Yeah. When I was a kid, you know, we didn't speak unless we were spoken to. And my dad, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, and it's almost like you were almost afraid of yeah. him when he came home. But they're, they're, they're talking about it like it's a reverence. Like, that, man, I wish we could get back to that level of respect for men. And I'm looking at that going... I don't know how you're seeing this, but this is reading to me like trauma. I think what they're probably, if I mean, again, I'm speculating. I think what people probably mean by that time, and it's super important for kids, is that a dad like that or a parent like that, if nothing else, there were very clearly drawn boundaries. Yeah. And I think that a lot of kids do miss that. And I, I think the modern age, especially with technology and cell phones and social media is a constant there is no boundary on your time sure. or your your mental engagement 
you have to put boundaries on it. I do it. believe in that, and I do believe there's a lot of parents who are like they there's been a whole generation of parents who've tried to be like their best friend of their yeah. kids. And that like you said, that boundary that's the other swing of the pendulum that's probably that's not healthy either. Like it's not okay to be afraid of your parent, but it's also not okay to be like Oh, I can do whatever well, I want. Well, in the 80s and 90s, that was the backlash to it. Yeah. And and there was a lot of, I think it was, I heard someone say, she said, our parents um, raised kids. My generation of parents, we parent. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see that parenting is so hard. You didn't hear people in the 50s say that. Well, I'm just raising kids. You know, of course, yeah. her joke was like, you know, I mean, we'd go in the backyard and you know, hey, you know, don't come, don't right. come back till sunset. You know, yeah. kind of thing. I don't want to see ready. you till I see that street light. Yeah, and hey, if you get if you get thirsty, there's a water hose. You yeah. know, like it was a real, um, and there's some of that. I remember having that freedom a little bit, but I had to be with my brother and other things. Like you know, we we ran yeah. in packs, but we'd get in our bike and and go miles. Yeah, we're thinking about know? that. Like uh, somebody was talking about that uh, about like Stephen King. A lot of his books are this horrible monster is loose in the town. But the ki- and the and the parents are like, this killer clown is taking kids. So try to be home by seven. <laughs> like they're still out on bikes and going yeah. into the woods. It's just like whatever idyllic, you know, society they live in. Just like just be a little more careful. There's a killer clown. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the seventies. It was different. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, like with with Sadie. I mean, of course, you know, I think having a girl is no doubt different. And it is that weird thing of and Laura and I were talking. She was listening to someone on a podcast who is a professional at, at risk assessment, and they were talking about the vaccine and vaccine for kids and other things. And like this professional risk assessor. And sorry, honey, I'm going to butcher this. I'm, I'm going to put it in my own mm. lens. So I wish you were here to make it better. But the whole the, the lady was talking like you. You will. The way Americans look at risk. They kind of consider they get confused between what what's a risk and what's a hazard, mm. and meaning like so people are and, and rightly so I don't know I don't know all my thoughts on kids and vaccines and research and all those things, but the whole the whole point was regardless of where you light how we will take other great even hazards like you're way more likely to get hurt putting your kid in a car, yeah. But it's a we were, Laura and I were just discussing why it is we do that, and that's very similar. To some things I preach sometimes on fear. Like the truth is, you should be so afraid of everything. Yeah, you know, it's the fact that you're not. And Done. Why, why do we? I'm do, on it. <laughs> you know, why do we do that? Like that's a one of those. The technique rarely works. I realized, but because everyone's not logical. But like, if you're afraid to get on an airplane, let me convince you why it's twice as dangerous to get in your car. Then they'll be like, I won't get in the car either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Joy. Yeah, you saved me. But, you know, that's the whole thing. We do things you, – you, I think the lady made the point, like, uh, they're, more, they're, they're more likely to get hurt in a car wreck. But kidnapping, which is less likely, is something that parents are very, you know, vigilant about. Yeah. And rightly so, even though the, the actual hazard of it, right. you know, it's, it's a risk – but the hazard, I mean, is way less than other things that we do. Yeah. And so I, th- I think you get into that point of what um, a real hazard. I think the example they used was like, you know, a shark is a is a risk just existing. You just get in the ocean, there may be a shark. Mm-hmm. Knowing you're in a pool with a shark that's hungry while you have, you know, blood floating around you from some animal or something. Now that's a hazard. You're, you're you know, yeah. facing a true hazard. So, you know, I don't know where... I don't know where the line is between those things yeah. on, the, on the fear spectrum, but yeah, Dustin used Dustin Nickerson, comedian friend. He used to have a bit about how you're more likely to the number one fear what was it number one fear is spiders and snakes, but you're more likely to die from diarrhea than a spider bite. But <laughs> we so we should be more the number one fear should be Taco Bell or whatever. <laughs> you're more likely to die from diarrhea. Uh, but yeah, it's like public speaking is number one usually. Yeah, uh, that was that was an old Seinfeld bit. So public speaking is number one, even above the fear of death. So if you go by that, uh, if you're at a funeral, you're better off in the coffin than giving the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> you're more afraid of giving the eulogy than being in the coffin. Oh wow! I mean, you wouldn't be John, great speaker like you. Oh goodness, we've all the, seen it. The talent scouts were. <sighs> 
getting offers. Wow. And what was your time today, by the way? Did we it was, did we ballpark it? Did we? It was the exact. Just, what was the high It was low? the exact time as last time. Yeah, okay. it was. I, I noticed it. Here's the thing about eleven thirty one, which eleven thirty one is still you beat the. Yeah, no, the idea. Listen, and Andrew and you I beat people to the buffet, but I mean, if you start at sunrise, you could beat everybody. You know, you went too long. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You're fine. It was good. You know, man, I hit a lot of stuff today. You did, and I felt like it needed it needed good context, or it could be just a minefield of offense. All the places I went today. Yeah. So, but Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, takes us to a lot of those places. So. Those Thessalonians. Oh my goodness. Was I, it Thessalonians? Well, that's Thessalon- what I've always said. But on the video, the guy said Thessalonians, which I guess oh. makes sense. Generally, it's a it's a short vowel in a lot of those Latin, huh. Greek kind of things. But I don't know. I don't speak Latin. It's like when they see uh, Marty McFly's shoes in Back to the Future 3, and he goes, what's that Nikkei? What kind of Indian double talk is that? Yeah, he's like, he calls it Nikkei. Crazy moccasins. Is what he... <laughs> <laughs> Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I'm sorry I went long. I don't think it was long. It was fine to me. Wow. I don't eat until noon now. I'm doing this 12 to 8 thing. Yeah. So I was just hoping you wouldn't be done at like eleven twenty. That I had to like just wander the earth for forty minutes when I when I wanted to eat. You needed me to go long. I needed you to go a little longer. That way I could be like, God, will you wrap it up? But then when you're done, I can immediately put food in my mouth. This was good. I'm doing this uh, intermittent thing. Yeah, I'm trying to get control of my late night snacking. That's the main thing. Oh yeah, because I've noticed I'm eating a lot of like just. I can't be. I can't watch TV now without a bowl of potato chips. Yeah, that's a problem, right? Is it? I mean, I mean, I share the problem. It's a very so. common American <laughs> problem, but I have two weeks in now to yeah try to get this under control. You're nailing it right on the noggin, John. So I'm not Killing sitting with it. chips now. I might sit with Quest chips, which is a keto thing. They're, they're they're made out of protein powder and they're making them into chips. They're made of sadness. <laughs> no, they're really good. They're made of protein powder. Yeah, but they're. They're seasoned just like a chip, and they're crunched just like a chip. Although they don't, they don't hold up under. <laughs> the dip. Matrix is telling me I'm having delicious steak. <laughs> it's a, it's a. The only thing is they're a little more brittle, uh, so like you can't dip it as well in French onion. Curry's gluten free crackers are that way, where it's like, oh, these look just like saltines, yeah. and they're they're. Yeah. I mean, they're in dust. It's like uh, those. Remember those granola bars Andrew used to get, Nature Valley. Yeah, where you bite into it, and it's like it's a just, bomb went off. <laughs> None of it gets in your mouth somehow. It's all on the floor. It covers your shirt. It's like one of those fire starter uh, bricks that you put in the yeah. fireplace. You know, it's like sawdust and glue or whatever that starts your fire. It's like you've been to that. Like, I don't know. I, I think I got some nourishment. I don't know. It's all yeah. in my lap. Yeah. You go on the trail with him and... Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing. It only works for outside eating. Yeah, anytime. that's why there's two in every pack because like you're gonna get maybe one. <laughs> the first one for the time. The first, yeah, there's a, the cumulative amount uh, of crumbs makes one of those. Nature Valley, not a sponsor. No, so. and won't be now probably. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. You just can't. I don't know. Hey, I think you could see. I always think that no, so you should take that and develop it. I don't know. You're a comedian. Develop it. It's true. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll get on I, it. I want you to do something. I don't like this it. pressure. Yeah. And then we won't remember because of parallel. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of your parallel? Fo- oh, uh, cryptomnesia. I had my own nesia about cryptomnesia. So uh, yeah, I've not. You thought you came anything. up. That, that would be if you thought you came up with it. But you're like, you know, I was just thinking the other day. You're on another podcast. You know, I was just thinking the other day. Like when you have an idea, I think I'm, I'm going to call it uh, cryptomnesia. <laughs> Cryptonesia sounds like you forgot you stole something. I guess that's what it is. That's kleptomnesia. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> whenever I cryptic though. Whenever I feel my kleptomania getting bad, I take something for it. John, that's <laughs> an old know. that's an old joke. I'm sorry. See what he did there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Oh, that's oh funny. kleptomania. That's funny. So my car is new, and you know wow. it's got the listen. So it's got this new car smell. Uh, and like three days ago, I get in it, and I'm like, and I, I eat food in my car. I'm not one of those people who's like, never food in the car, because you're not going to keep that rule. But I get all the trash out like immediately. Mm. When I stop somewhere, I'm like, let's empty the trash. Let's take this fast food 
drink and put it in the cup holder and throw the old fast food. Yeah. That's the saddest moment on the road, by the way, when you're yeah. like, let me take this McDonald's cup and throw it away and put the new, new McDonald's, McDonald's cup. cup. Yeah. The, it's yeah. the saddest exchange. So I do that. I'm pretty good about doing that. But now I get in my car like three days ago and it smells, it doesn't, first I thought it was like garbage. It smelled like, you know, if you ever hauled garbage in your trunk or something and you forget, you're like, oh no, the garbage juice is in the mm. car. It's a very specific smell. Well, it wasn't that because I don't, I don't have that. So I'm looking around. There's nothing in my car. I'm looking under the seats. Is there a chicken McNugget that fell that oh. now is rotted? Nothing. I can't find it. Now it's three days later. It's the worst it's ever been. Now it's hot. It's like we're in June, mid-June. So it's like, it's death. It's the stench of death is in my car. My new car what smells like, I don't know what it is. We literally had my flash out at last night. We were under the like hood. Curry and I were like each with our cell phones on, like looking for like where is the squirrel that I ran over that somehow got up in the it's in one of your hoses or something. Something, and I can't tell if like it's coming through the vents more mm. when I turn the AC on. We couldn't see anything. I don't know what's going on, but like when we were going to go to lunch today, I was like, "Do you want to take yours?" I didn't want to tell you like, "Don't get in my car." Yeah, like, I thought that was you're not gonna you're not gonna want to get in my car. I thought you just wanted to ride the new tires. I did, and it's great, and your car's fine. But the main thing that's about your car that I love is it doesn't, it doesn't smell, smell like death. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you? How do you? What do I do, John? You take it to a dealer and be like, "Hey, um, yes, I just need a someone's gonna I have need to, you to check for a body." Yeah, someone's gonna have to get in there and figure out where. Like I will, co- I will say there are a lot of squirrels that run darting out in front of my car these days. So yeah, I just wonder, like, did one, one get in sucked up in the? I don't know how it works. Oh. I, listen, I was sniffing around. This has got to be weird for my neighbors. Wow. I've got the hood up, my flashlight on, and I am sniffing mm. areas of my engine. Yeah. And they're just like looking at me like, what is this guy's problem? Yeah. Yeah, you're. If they got close to it, they'd be like, oh, I oh, get it. that's his problem. Your car is a dumpster. Interesting. It's, you, I don't. You're going to have to. Maybe you could, maybe hire a detailer. I guess. But even then, they, if it's in the engine compartment, that's not going to help. I think I'm just going to have to let it like decompose and go oh, away. Johnny, I don't think you can do that. No? that's That could take a long time. Uh, have you ever watched CSI? Oh, yeah. This was, I think this was episode 7,450. It was this exact scenario. And so in the end, the squirrel was the murderer. I never saw it coming. <laughs> but he got his. Anyway, um, justice never sleeps on furry creatures speaking of well they're not furry but feathered creatures oh yeah so we were i had to trim my hedges before i mowed yesterday which was like 102 heat index yesterday what it should have taken me like two two and a half hours took me four like i couldn't move yeah it was so humid i tried to run and yeah. I, I it was rough like i, I just a, tried to I walk. did like a mile then i walked then i did another mile then i walked then i did another mile and then i had to walk like three miles back to my car and it was like as I was walking back to my car, my heart rate was at like 150 just from just running walking. the three separate miles and just walking. I was like, this is not good. I need to go run. But like just walking up the steps from doing all this work yesterday, my legs yeah. are killing me. Heat index is the real deal, man. It, it is. It zaps you. And so we were clipping, uh, trimming this bush in front of our house that's just completely over. Like it just, it just takes over. And Laura and I are out there and she taking the loppers and mm-hmm. it lopped off and I see a bird's nest. I was like, oh no. And it's like near the sidewalk, but it had been completely covered. And so I, well, I get in there and sure enough, it's like these are newborn baby birds out of the, out of the eggs. Like they look, yeah. in fact, they look like a pile of goo, like newborn baby eggs, newborn baby birds, I guess just all together, like just mushy and, oh, that's and I, yeah, it's very interesting. And so I I then hear a bird, mm-hmm. and the mama bird is back up in the bush warning us. Right, don't go like, in my babies. And now we're like, oh, man, we've exposed this nest. And so we leave the bush. We don't trim the rest of it. And we start putting branches back on, trying to just cover till yeah, the babies can get. Right. I, well, I mean, we haven't touched the babies or anything. Yeah, but I'm saying you've tampered with their whatever, so now the mama bird's got to abandon them. You've no. caused their indirect No, no, no. The mama bird, not only did she not abandon them, she decided to up the game. Okay. So I was reaching to put one extra branch on there, and that <laughs> bird pecked my hand. Like, jumped on me, pecked my hand. 
It was like, you leave my babies That's alone. Great. It That's was awesome. unbelievable. Bro, yeah, it started itching last is... night. And oh. I was like, oh. Well, there wouldn't be a... I wonder if I have some sort of... I put peroxide on it. It's a tiny little thing, and it like bubbled up real big. Oh, wow. I'm going to guess there was bacteria in that bird beak. But anyway, I've hopefully now ne- got neutralized bird flu. it. Also, strange superpowers. Yeah, the bird flu. Flu, <laughs> then it pegged me, then it... <laughs> Am I right? But I did go check, and the mama bird was sitting on the babies in the, in the afternoon. But I'm afraid, like, Laura's like, she's probably sitting on them to protect them from the heat, you know, because oh, now, right. I don't know. So You took away their shade. The whole thing, it was it was very unfortunate, and, <sighs> uh, and I got attacked. I mean, it's it's minor. I wouldn't say attacked. I just got, I got nipped. I got, like, hey, no. Yeah. You got, you were a hazard. Yes. Although yeah. I was trying to help. You know, there's... Right. There's what'll preach. Birds live with risk, but humans, like, you were a hazard to that bird's way of life. Yeah. And she said, no, sir. Mm-mm. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, that's... Like, I mean, you know how intimidating I look. Right. Imagine to a bird, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm like a... <laughs> <laughs> Can you just imagine how I look to a bird? That's what you're going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! To the, to the world, you may just be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. <laughs> that's what you. That's basically the bird version of that. Oh, that's funny. I may not be much, but I was enough to scare this bird enough that she attacked me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you. But now you, you think it's going to be all right. The birds are going to be. Well, I walked by there a few times. You know, and those. It is hot though, because there's no shade. So if you go by and those things are, yeah. Listen, I, I listen. She should have. I don't know. What could she have known? <laughs> Chosen a different. But the branches are like hanging over the sidewalk. So yeah. it, you know, I've got a nest under. You know, I have a little archway mm-hmm. under my uh, front door. We never use our front door. We're garage door people. I, yeah. so I think that's a very. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I saw one of these. There's one of these Twitter accounts that I follow, and it was like white people love entering their house through the garage. Why is it? And I, I don't. Ever, I don't. I, I don't. Everybody did. I, I did too, and I think that that maybe it is. I don't know, but I just I enter my house through. I don't have like a side door either. I'll open the garage door and go through that entrance and into my side door. So I don't have like a side door, uh, exterior door on my garage. I'm not sure that that's. A, I just go through. I don't know. I think people with houses with garages. Go I just don't garage. like walking all the way down my sidewalk into my front door. Well, I park in my garage, so I'm already. That's in true. There. Okay, so but I go. So we don't ever. We're never on the walkway. Uh, that goes into our front, except for like if a pizza gets delivered or whatever, or Amazon package, which is several times a week. <sighs> Amazon, but a nest has occurred there several times, materialized there several times, and and they, it's not just enough to oh this bird will have its babies and move on. Like this bird has this second one has set up camp, right? Yeah, and it's aggressive. Mm. So we had somebody delivering something the other day, and they wouldn't come because the bird was like swirling in there, like. Sending warning messages like, this is my house now. So we don't know what to do because it poops on the landing there. Oh, you know, and it's, it's just taunting you. Yeah. So it's like it's the big, you know, lots. Johnny, you have to exert authority and show that bird who's boss. But I don't want to if there's, I don't know, I'd have to get way up. It's like eight feet in the air. I'd have to get way up there to see if there are babies and I'm going to get attacked by just looking. So my mom reminded me when I got attacked by this bird yeah. that when I was little. You're gonna, you're gonna really laugh at this. I used to kill a bunch of birds, and <laughs> she said that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> so we lived out in the country when I was little, yeah. And we had a barn, and my chore we had rabbits out there in cages. Yeah. And one of my chores was to go feed the rabbits. So I'd walk from the house up the hill to the barn. What would you do? What were you doing with rabbits? We just raised rabbits in cages. Yeah, they, but were, I understand. they just, were domesticated rabbits. But you just raised them to live in cages well, and not pet be a them pet? And stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, but they didn't They live lived in a, in a barn? You didn't enjoy them? You just go feed the rabbits? Listen, we were not inside pet kind of people. They're in prison. Up. I don't understand if you weren't selling the rabbits. To Johnny, people. I was like eight. I don't know why dad did that. This is weird. Okay, go you ahead. Can, you it's can a weird ask story. Him when we all get to heaven. Someday, all right. So. Um, <laughs> That'll be so, the first thing. I get to heaven and be like, <laughs> look, I like this mansion, Streets of Gold's great. I got some questions for your dad. What's up with these rabbits? And so I, um, the, there were birds that lived in the barn Yeah. and when I would go, they would swoop. It was like, like for real World War II dog fighting type birds, mm-hmm. bird fighting, they call it. <laughs> they would literally swoop at my head. 
the whole way. It was probably a 50-yard walk, and they would just just like come at me from all angles yeah. to stop me from getting to the barn. They wouldn't do it to anybody else, huh? just to me. And so my family, this is my family now. <laughs> this is my chore. Like I would try to be – try to use ingenuity to protect myself. So I would have trash can lids over my head, umbrellas, all kinds of things to go yeah. up there. And they would just sit in the house and just laugh their full heads God, off. We had TikTok back then. Watching me go up and <laughs> try to guard myself. So mom was like, that was just like when you were little and the birds come. I was like, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and now I need to go to therapy. <laughs> That's right. I totally scrubbed that trauma from my brain. You brought it back, <laughs> rushing back. Yeah. So, Johnny, I get it, man. Um, so you've been an enemy of birds for a long time. They like, you know, when you go into a place like an old, like, whatever, Quickie Mart, and they have people who have bounced checks. They have the their picture. picture on the wall. I'm in like, the Somewhere nest. in the nest, it's like a, an artist's <laughs> rendering, a bird rendering of you and be like, oh, this guy. Yeah. He's an enemy of the yeah. state. Yeah, public enemy number one. <laughs> um you know, interestingly enough, too, I thought about this. That nest that bird made, I could not make that nest with 10 fingers in right. a million years. I, it's amazing. And they're bringing to back me. individual pieces of straw and spittle. It was so and tightly, like, what are they making it? What's crafted? The, it is. I was, I mean, just amazed at, like, the whole. It's one thing for nature to exist. Like, for me, there's such a God thing in it when nature then uses building materials to make things. Mm-hmm. Like, beavers making dams and stuff. You're like, there's a yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Somebody was writing that about that on Twitter. Like, like we always think of beavers like, oh, they're great. They're the hardest workers. They're whatever. They're you know, but then there's places where they're just damming up a river that did not need to be dammed up, and it causes ecological problems because they're just like, nope, flowing water will not do. <laughs> and they just decide <laughs> like this is what I've decided. This must be. Done. I hate current. Is what I hate, <laughs> and they've just got this instinct to stop it. God, I got another question for you. I told you. That's what I said in what Tim Hawkins said. He goes, he said, people act like they're going to ask God all these questions when they get to yeah. heaven. But he said the most, and it was really well received in the message this morning I talked. I think the most spoken word in heaven is going to be, oh. Yeah. Like he said, of course, Tim said, you're not going to walk up to the guy who invented the rabbit and be like, look, I demand an explanation, you know, for these yeah. things. But it is funny. Like, why? The, why? Yeah. Like, okay, poison ivy. Why? Right, like kudzu. What's wasps, going on with kudzu? Why, dude? Right. By the way, I have an app, and this is this and is fixing a lot. Defend you of, against wasps. It's fixing a lot of insecurities in my life. I have a lot of insecurities. One of them is is I don't know what plants are which. Yeah. Often, you ever around you you do. I know some. Did you work at I a nursery? Work, I worked at a plant nursery yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Like you're always like, well, what do you need here? But I, I forget bring. things. Like the other day, I was. At your house, I was trying to remember what I, but I'd already forgotten a lot of it. Like, I can't ever remember knockout roses. I always call them knockdown roses, and everybody makes fun of me. I just don't, I've realized now my brain is a filing cabinet, and there's only so much room. So, like, especially when I'm heads down on a project, like, I get real foggy. Like, I had to pause already to think of a word. Like, I just, I just can't, I can't do all of it at once. Knockout roses are what you give to the person on The Bachelor. (laughs) Knockdown roses is like if you, like, look, (laughs) it's not working out. You give those. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and knock you down. But there's an app. That'll tell you. You just take a picture? You take a picture of any oh, leaf. It'll scan it and tell you exactly what it is. It's it's like Latin genus, right. species, the whole deal, where it grows, what it is. So like, and mm-hmm. I, so like you know, I always. Like, so it turns out we're growing pot. I had no. I had I no Laura's clue. into some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're The money's good, but we are. Yeah. I was wondering, where did this BMW come from? <laughs> exactly. yeah. She's like. I don't, I don't know. I got a bonus. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's good. Uh, where are you going again at 1230 at night? Yeah, anyway, interesting. So, but I, you know, my dad always told me, you know, you can always tell poison ivy because mowing grass, we get poison ivy all the time. Yeah. He was tell it's got three leaves. I was like, what? half the things leaves I three, see have three. Leaves of three. Leave, leave it, it be. be. Leave. It always has to rhyme for us to right. lock it in. Red touches yellow. He's a dangerous fellow. I don't know. Yellow touches black. He's a friend of Jack. I can't remember. There's something with a snake, coral snake. Did I tell Coral you? snake and king snake, right? Yeah. One of them's poisonous. If red is touching yellow, but see, you can He's make it. Nice you can make him. Fellow. But he could be a dangerous fellow or a nice fellow. Like, it still doesn't help because I could put whatever adjective with fellow. Um, yeah. Did you know that I wrote in the Avid Endorsement about that very thing? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to read it to you right now. Uh, 
okay, it's red, red touch black, safe for Jack. Red yeah. touch yellow kills a fellow. That's the original. Kills a fellow. Yeah. And so what I had written was this rhyme teaches children that the coral snake will have bands of red touching smaller bands of yellow rather than black. But let's be honest, many children are still learning their colors. Yeah. Should we as a society be composing nursery rhymes about such things? And who would want to name their baby Jack after hearing such a nightmarish work of poetic cruelty? At any rate, when it comes to snakes, the endorsement sees no color except red. That is, he very well may flee at the first sight of a snake in the wild because he is unlikely to trust appearances and has internalized the assumption that there really isn't time to stay and figure out if a snake is venomous or harmless. Or he may instinctively reach for the nearest sharp object with a handle and attack the snake with a wild fury that can be quite disturbing to witness. In ancient endorsement lore, there is also a rhyme for what to do if you encounter a snake in the wild. The translation into English is rudimentary, but the general idea is as follows. Eyes see snake, run and get rake. Red, green, or black, whack, whack, whack. <laughs> That's good. That was one of my favorite and parts. The thing of the book. is, like, if you're getting close enough to identify rings of color, like, yeah, what you're if too you're close. wrong? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And what if you're colorblind? You're like, gray touches darker gray. <laughs> get the heck away. <laughs> like, there's no rhymes. That's unfortunate. I see people who are more, I don't know, like, my dad was terrified of snakes, but there was a big snake that lived out at my mom and dad's house that they allowed to live because it was like a rat snake or whatever. What? Yeah, and it was a big field next door. But it was huge. It was like eight, nine feet at some one point, I think. Mom said it would, it would go across the entire driveway. Good Lord. And you'd just leave it because it was eating all the you know field mice and all the stuff that might get into the house. You know? <laughs> and I'm just Random like, neighborhood children. If I see – apparently dad came to the place where if he saw it in the yard, he would pick it up with a rake or something and go put it back over the fence. And I'm just like, man, I know people like that. Well, don't kill that snake. It's doing good. Yeah. And I'm just like, ooh, my instincts take over. Uh, like, I just, mm -mm. I don't know. He's more afraid of you than you are of him. I, like, like, I, I don't that. think we know that. <laughs> I don't think we know that. Like, you know he that. is a hazard at this point to me, just existing. <laughs> so, Just make yourself big. Another thing when you see a bear, make yourself real big. <laughs> What do you? I think I had to think about bears and endorsement too. You got to make yourself. You just pull your jacket up over your. Uh, and by the time you've done that, he's already pawed you. Yeah. Into the tree. It's over. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Maybe that's what I ran over. Maybe there's a bear underneath. Wow. I think I'd smell that. I'd Maybe. feel that. Yeah. Be stronger. You're gonna have to do something. I. I don't. I'm at a loss. You need to take it. To the dealership and be like, look, this is a weird. You know what? I need you to take this car apart until you find. I think you need to tell them there's a weird smell. Yeah. The car's under warranty and I don't know what it is. And don't tell them you think it's an animal or something. Just act like the car is malfunctioning. Um, maybe it is. Maybe and they'll be like, sir, maybe this is you. Maybe there's some sort of CO2. Have you noticed this smell when you get into other cars, sir? <laughs> <laughs> is it real strong in your friend's truck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. You tried bathing, sir? <laughs> That'll be $250. It's your upper lip, sir, and that'll yeah. yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website. Talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Where you can uh, see all the ways you can listen um, to talk about that and share it with your friends and leave reviews and leave uh, five stars. Five stars, please. Yeah, five Out stars. of ten. Right, so that's, right. Just a good yeah, middle of the road. Good. <laughs> hey, if that was a baseball batting average, it'd be amazing. Yeah. So I want. That's the one thing I like about baseball. Not, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I like it that if you do something three out of ten times, right. that you're considered to be really, really good at it. Yeah, that's Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's like my kind of odds. Like you know, there's a lot of stuff that I, you know, three out of ten times do something fairly well. So yeah. um, those numbers are good. And the other seven times you kill innocent birds. I did not kill the birds. Well, not yet, but Your you've Honor. paved the way well, I tried. for the sun to beat down on their she little She was protecting tiny... them. Look, I'm just going to let like, let nature take its course. Like, none of this is nature. It's That's in true. our true. Nature's pretty brutal, our... too. That's the thing when you hear people like, it's all net. No, we nature's, nature's brutal. We to make a house. That's not nature. You know what I'm saying? these whales eat seals and stuff and uh, penguins. And, yeah, nature's oh my, a... It's, yeah. You ever see March of the Penguins? They just come... Uh, those, a lot of those penguins don't make it. You know? No. No, they don't. They're too cute. One time I saw two Makes me sad. blue jays down here. John Kerry and I were downstairs, and one yeah. flew into a window, and he was like all – he was not doing well. He was Well, they see the themselves. Ground. I don't see why they don't at least try to avoid hitting the other blue jay. Well, the thing was – coming at them. He was, he was kind of on the ground languishing. Yeah. And 
the other blue jay came to his rescue and then viciously attacked him with his, like, just started attacking the, the hurt yeah. blue jay. Yeah. They're just mean. Apparently. Blue jays are mean. They they steal other people's, other people's, other birds' nests. That's what blue jays are really kind of known for. The They're deal, aggressive. Dude? What is the deal with blue jays? I don't think they have their own, like, I don't know enough about blue jays, but I've always heard that they're. They're aggressive, and they'll take over other birds' biological But who ecosystems. goes and kills their own kind? I don't know if he killed him. He maybe tried just, to kill him. Maybe he was aggressively being like, I'm a personal injury attorney. Like, he's on the scene. <laughs> you know? Here's my card. Here's my card. And here's this picture well, of this guy to stay. In, let me jab it into your heart. Here's a picture of a guy to stay away from. <laughs> it's a little artist <laughs> rendering of you. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was there. You got to think how many times I'm present when there's a yeah, bird. You, I've issue. noticed anytime I've ever seen a bird problem, yeah. you're close by. Huh? Oh my goodness. What's going on, bro? Wow. Mm. <laughs> and thank you guys for being close by today <laughs> with us. Spending an hour with us means a lot, and we've enjoyed uh, your company and hope that you've enjoyed ours. So we look forward to doing it again next week on Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.